0: Please be seated. And if you like, you can open your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 21. We're going to look at verses 15 through 22 today, 15 through 22, as the Lord Jesus reclaims and reestablishes Peter, the apostle, after a terrible failure of rejecting him and denying him three times. Prior to Christ's crucifixion. This is one of the several appearances the Lord Jesus made uh, to individuals after he was resurrected from the grave. And this entire chapter is devoted to Peter's reclamation, of the Lord Jesus lovingly and tenderly bringing him back into the fold. If you read the first 14 verses of this chapter, you'll find that Peter returns to his old life. He goes back to fishing. And uh, Jesus pursues him. In fact, that day that they fished, he caught nothing. Very similar to the beginning point of Christ's ministry when he met with Peter. And Peter had caught nothing all night fishing. Well, here in chapter uh, 21, the same thing happened again. And I think it demonstrated the emptiness of life that Peter would face away from Jesus. And of course, you remember Jesus showed up on the shore and asked them, the guys in the boat, do you have any fish? And they said, no. And then the Lord Jesus says, well, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And they did, and they brought in 153 fish. They came to the shore where Jesus had breakfast ready for them. And in verse 15, Jesus begins his interaction with Peter. Jesus has come to reclaim and restore him. How many times have we needed Jesus to come and reclaim and restore us after we fail? Sometimes we fail again and again, and we wonder, does the Lord Jesus want me to come back to him? Of course he does. And he demonstrates that in scripture by coming after us. He doesn't wait for us to come to him. So Jesus will speak to Peter about three things in this episode of reclaiming and restoration. Number one, his foundation. Number two, his future. And number three, his focus. His foundation, his future, and his focus. That'll be our outline for a few moments this morning in this passage before we pray and prepare to take the Lord's Supper. In fact, let's pray right now and ask God to bless our time together. Lord, I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Father, we desire to see Jesus and him only. We pray that you would move on our hearts as we study your word and that you apply it to our lives, that we might leave here knowing you for the first time or just knowing you better. Lord, bless our time of study today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want you to notice first, Jesus has a tendency to challenge Peter about his foundation. And what I mean by that is, what makes Peter tick? What's at the bottom of Peter? He begins by asking Peter the same question three times in verses 15 through 17. Do you love me? In fact, the first time, he says, do you love me more than these We don't know what these are. It could have been all the fishing tackle, and uh, Jesus was making reference to what Peter did for his livelihood before he met Jesus. It could have meant more than these, meaning the other disciples. Not all the disciples were present at this time. There were about seven there. Jesus says, do you love me, Peter? You know, Peter denied the Lord three times. And most scholars believe that's why Jesus asked the question three times. Earlier, the Lord made it clear to Peter that he would serve as a bedrock or a foundation for Christ's church. In Matthew 16, when Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And Peter spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus went on to say, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter would play a major role in getting Christ's church established. We see that on the day of Pentecost as Peter stands and preaches to thousands of people the gospel. In fact, all the apostles were foundational to the early church in their witness for Christ and their writing of the scriptures. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.20, that Christ's church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Even in the book of Revelation 21:14, as the Bible is describing heaven, it says, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So Peter would function as a rock or a foundation, but his character had to catch up with his service. You see, Peter was proud and somewhat self-sufficient. On another occasion in Luke 22, prior to Christ's crucifixion, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, or when you have repented, strengthen your brothers. Peter spoke up and replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. You'll deny that you even know me. See, Peter thought Christ was his foundation. But Peter was trusting in himself. More than Jesus prior to the crucifixion. Self-sufficiency can creep in. Peter said, Lord, if all the others forsake you, I won't do that. I'll be there for you. And of course, he wasn't. The Bible says, let him who stand take heed lest he fall. We read Psalm 30 today, and a part of that is the discipline of David. Did you notice verses 6 and 7? David at one point says, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. He goes on to say, By your favor, Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. And I was dismayed. Even David had to learn these things. I believe Peter believed in Jesus. I believe Peter admired Jesus. And I believe that Peter to some degree loved Jesus at this point. But admiration, ladies and gentlemen, and even support is not enough for Jesus Christ. He wants full, complete, unhindered devotion. That's why when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again when he is old? And he directed the conversation to uh, everybody. And Jesus said, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. The rich young ruler came to Jesus. He admired Jesus. He followed Jesus. He was supportive of Jesus. But when Jesus put his finger on the true foundation of his life, which was his money and his property, he went away. You see, having Christ as our foundation is essential. 1 Corinthians 3.11, Paul said, No one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And there's no room there for self-sufficiency or self-righteousness. Peter had to learn the painful lesson that you cannot be foundational to Christ's church if you yourself don't have Christ exclusively as your personal foundation. And that's why Jesus comes with these questions. Do you love me? It's designed to get to the bottom of Peter because the true foundation of our lives is usually the object of our affection. Do you love me, Peter? You see, if we love money and success or skill or education, if we love ourselves more than Jesus, there's so many things in life that we can put our confidence in. But it's a faulty foundation. Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, He who hears my words and puts them into practice... I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man who built on a solid foundation. And when the storms and difficulties of life came, his house was unmoved. But others built on the sand. And when the storms of life come, their lives fall apart. Jesus wants to get to the bottom of Peter. And may I say that he is constantly getting to the bottom of us. Whenever he comes to us after failure, do you love me? Do you love me? It's not a superficial question. It forces us to say, what do I really love in life? What is the foundation? What is the fulcrum of my life? I need to make sure it's Jesus alone and that I truly appreciate and love him for what he did on the cross and the resurrection to take care of my sins. Well, Peter needed some instruction about his foundation. But also, Jesus goes on to speak about his future in verses 18 through 20. Interesting statement concerning Peter's future and the will of God for his life. You know, most of us, I believe, are interested in God's will for our life, especially if we're younger. We want to know what the Lord has in store for us. Well, look what Jesus says to Peter. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wish. But when you grow old, Someone will stretch out his hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Basically, Jesus offers a summary of Peter's future by giving him a hint of the kind of death he will die in order to glorify the Lord. How would you like that? If you went to your spiritual counselor and said, tell me about my future, tell me what's going to happen. And they told you, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be imprisoned and then you're going to die. Not a very bright future. (laughs) You know, in one sense, Jesus says to Peter, what he says to Peter is unique and unrepeatable. He's telling Peter exactly what's going to happen to him. And Peter has three more decades to think about that before he dies. But in another sense, Jesus is offering a trajectory of the Christian life for all of us. Death to self. Death to sin. That is a major part of the Christian life. This is the main reason why Christians don't have to fear death. In one sense, in a spiritual sense, we've already died. We're already dead in Christ Jesus. Like Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, death is all over the New Testament. We Christians have hope in life because of Christ's death. But the Bible makes clear that to be united to Christ is to be united both in his death and his resurrection. And so in one sense, we've already experienced death. Death to self and death to sin. Paul talks about this a lot in 2 Corinthians 1 9. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. 2 Corinthians, I love this passage, chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. We always, Paul says, carry in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in. Our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. That is one of the many paradoxes of the Christian faith. Life comes through death. Finding comes through losing. Jesus said, if you lose your life, for my sake, you'll find it. And if you give up and yield and submit to me in losing your life, you will discover that Jesus Christ, by his Spirit, will live through you. And he will quash your fears. He will give you the strongest sense of peace that passes all understanding because you have given up and you have submitted your life to him. And it doesn't matter what happens in the future because God has you in his hand and Christ is living in you. And there's a real peace and selflessness about that. Our life doesn't belong to us. Our purpose is to glorify God, and such a purpose will ultimately be discovered as we die to ourselves every day and subsequently seek to follow Christ by faith in every sphere of our lives. That is our future. The Lord challenged Peter with some words that seem very harsh, very depressing. But see, when you hear spiritually, you realize that the Lord's words bring life. Just like Jesus said in John 12, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Don't be afraid of that in your own life. The secret to living is dying. If we die to ourselves and die to our sin, we come alive in Jesus Christ when we depend upon him by faith. You see, the key words are the glory of God and follow me. The specifics of the will of God for your life may never be fully known to you, but it really doesn't matter as long as you're following close to Jesus and seeking to glorify God in your thoughts and words and deeds. Whatever takes place, the Lord will give you a sense of peace and a sense of stability to walk through it. And if there's anything that Peter needed here, was a sense of stability. He thought he was stable in and of himself, but he realized just how unstable he was. And in the beginning, Peter would stand up and say what he would do, what he could do for Christ, but here he is humbly saying, Lord, I don't know. You know. Do I love you? I don't depend on my estimation of myself anymore. I depend on you. Well, Jesus challenged him with his foundation, his future, and then his focus. In verses 20 and 22, Peter turned around and saw John. And it's interesting words. After his reinstatement by the Lord Jesus, we find that Peter is interested in what the Lord's plan is for his friend and fellow disciple. John, what about this man? Even a proper foundation and a clear understanding of our future, we can drift and lose focus. Some people are always asking unimportant questions to the point that their mission in life fails to receive the proper amount of interest and energy. Jesus, once again, gives a gentle rebuke. Basically, Peter, mind your own business. (laughs) Mind your own business. If I want him to remain until I come again, what is that to you? You follow me. You see, Jesus' words impress upon Peter's mind the fact that curiosity about John's or anyone else's future must make way for obedience to the Lord and his all important command follow me feed my lamb shepherd my sheep feed my dear sheep that is your lot Peter and there should be a holy disinterest with what the Lord is doing in your fellow man you understand what I mean by that we ought to be able to rejoice in what God is doing with someone else But too often, Christians look over the fence and say, why did this happen to me? Why not them? And why do they have this and I don't? And we ask those questions over and over because our focus is not on Jesus Christ and the stability that he gives us as a firm foundation and the certainty that whatever his plan is for our future, it's a good plan. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you, the Lord says, and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You can't run a race if you're looking to see where your opponents are in the race. You run a race by looking forward, straightforward, as the Lord leads you. You know it's interesting that after the Lord did this and Peter was reinstated, you come to First Peter, his letter, first Peter chapter two, verse four. And Peter says this, and coming to him, Jesus, as a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up to a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The Lord took Peter's life, and after he was undone, and after he was humiliated, and he didn't even show up when Christ was crucified, Peter identified himself as a witness of Christ's sufferings and his resurrection. Historians tell us that when they took Peter to put him to death, he asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't want to be mistaken as to try to show himself somehow in league with Jesus. He didn't see himself worthy. But he went to his death with confidence, with the foundation of Christ Jesus, and with a sure and certain hope that he would stand faultless and sinless before a holy God How about you this morning what is the foundation of your life is it christ or is it something or something else have you embraced the future god has for you you know martin luther king jr said if a man isn't ready to die then he's not really ready to live you have something to die for you've got something to live for and that's only in christ jesus Are you maintaining your focus? Where's your focus? Where's your eye? If it's on anything but Jesus, ask the Lord to redirect it. And if you've never embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you this morning to ask him to come into your heart. Trust him by faith. And watch what he begins to do in your life. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the Apostle Peter. And we thank you for this very touching episode in his life. I pray, Lord, as you reclaim us, as you establish us when we fall and fail, that, Lord, we would remember these things and consider the foundation and the future and our focus. Lord, let your word to Peter be your word to us. And I pray that you would work in our hearts that we would have no other foundation than Christ Jesus. No other future than to glorify him. No fears. And that, Lord, our focus would be on you forever. Do all these things and more. We'll give you the praise and glory for what you will do. And we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.